It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Monday, the Tigers basketball season is crashing down. Super Bowl is set. Both Zach and I were two and one on our picks this week. We remain pretty strong. Crazy, crazy stuff with that Super Bowl, huh? I mean, Detroit and Dan Campbell, he's been doing this all year, right? But Sometimes those fourth downs, 34% of the time he went on fourth down, which is the highest in the league. It bit him last night. There's no question about it to me. And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give him a rust later on, on, on one of the major decisions because I would never have done that, especially after he had already missed once. We'll get into that in a little bit. We've got our medals coming up. Jason Munns will join us on what has become a – A spiraling out-of-control season. Three in a row the Tigers have lost. I should remind folks that in 21-22, when that was really the last time this team suffered streaks of despair, in 21-22, later in the year in the conference season, they lost three in a row to UCF, to East Carolina, and to SMU. Prior to that, they lost four in a row. Iowa State, that was in in the Barclays Center. I remember that well. They were never in that game. Georgia, Ole Miss, and Murray State. Okay? And they made the tournament that year, went to Portland, and really should have beaten Gonzaga in round two. So you can recover from this, but will you recover from this? Are there guys with character on this team that care enough? Sometimes I start to wonder, are there guys that are caring more about getting to 20 points than they are about winning the game? And Malcolm Dandridge sure seemed to allude to that when he spoke in a conference call, not to radio, but to members of the written media. And um, he was the only guy that, that... was held accountable. He's the only guy to stand up and talk about it, which is a little distressing to me. But it was a great atmosphere to begin with. The place holds 8,500. There were about legit 8,000 people there. Their play-by-play guy, David Crane, is just a wonderful guy, very talented. He basically said this is the best crowd that the UAB Blazer had in eight years. Eight years. Wonderful atmosphere, very supportive of their team. And uh, that made it tough, but the Tigers had leads in the first half, a couple times of six points. I I thought they were pretty much in control. They just couldn't seem to put them away. And then then disaster. Uh, they, They kept pressing when they shouldn't have, honestly. Because this team handles the ball, though they did turn the ball over 21 times. But Memphis beat them in that department. They turned it over 22 times. Here's the most distressing thing in my mind. And nobody has answers for this. You worked all week, all week, intense practices, they say, all week long on defense. And then you give up 97 points to a team that averages 76. You gave up 21 more points after a week of practice. In retrospect, maybe this is not the right team because they normally don't turn the ball over to press, and they're quick, and they're all pretty much guards. Even their one big guy, Lendeborg, he he can handle the ball. And they burned him on fast breaks. Although the fast break points actually went to Memphis 18-16, But maybe your defense would have been better in the half-court set rather than trapping because they did get several odd-number fast-break opportunities. But really, the difference in the game has been something that has been troublesome the whole year. 
it wasn't just perimeter defense, although this team did hit nine threes. They averaged 5.7. So they didn't quite double their output, but this is Memphis gives up over nine threes a game. That's been a problem. But to me, it was the boxing out problem. 16 offensive rebounds. They got out-rebounded by 8, 40 to 32. At one point, it was double digits. And the second-choice points are the difference in the game. In my mind, 23-11, that's a plus 12. Can't overcome that. Plus which, they allowed this team to shoot almost 60% in the second half. This is after practicing all week long on intense defense. So, you start to tumble down here, and you got to wonder, uh, although Greg Gaston just told me that uh, Jerry Palman texted him, he's, the, the Tigers are still an eight seed. You know what? No, nobody wants the eight-nine game, right? Nobody. Because then you, you got the toughest game you can possibly have, followed by a number one seed. And Memphis has been in that game the last two years. You were really hoping for better. Heck, Mike DeCourcy at one time had the Tigers as a two seed. There were several other guys that had him as a three seed. I'm just grateful that they're an eight seed because they're not playing like a team that should be in the NCAA at the moment. And I don't understand why. So if you go back and you take a look, Zach, if you can, check the uh, schedule. The Tigers' zenith this year was this three-game stretch at A&M, followed by Clemson, followed by a blowout of Virginia ranked team at the time. What date was that? Have you have you got that up there? That's uh, December sixteenth uh, with Clemson and December nineteenth with Virginia. So December nineteenth, remember that date. That in my mind is their zenith. What happened after that? Did they play Vandy after that? Yes, Vanderbilt. And they barely escaped that then in Austin P. Something happened. When's the when's the Vandy game? What's Vandy the... game was December twenty third. So somewhere between the nineteenth and the twenty third. Something disconnected. Because it's not the same team. And honestly, I asked Penny last night after the game. And now Penny was in no mood to talk. We waited an hour and 20 minutes for him to come out. He takes these losses tough, and he should. I, I, I think he met with his coaches for 20, 30, 40 minutes before he even went to meet the team. And I asked him, what, what's happened? Why is this team not the same team? And he goes, I don't know. You have to ask the players. Of course, it's hard to ask the players because they're not coming out to be held accountable. But I don't know what the disconnect is. But something happened between December 19th and the 23rd that this team started to go a different way. And yet they won a few more games. And Penny said, I let things slip because they were winning. And I'm sure that last night after the game, he didn't quite have all the thoughts together to figure out what what they're going to do to proceed. But that's the next question, is where do you go from here? You cannot continue to play this way. You probably, he said... There probably have to be some changes. Now, the first thing in the starting line, if you're going to change, in my estimation, would be you're going to take out Nicholas Jordan and you're going to start Tomlin. But your problem is your point guard at the moment. When Quinterly plays good, the Memphis Tigers play good. When he plays bad and he's not been good in this stretch, the Tigers struggle. Now, I don't mean to point the fingers at totally one guy, but he's the most important guy. Jones is going to give you points, and Jones is going to give up some points. And the problem with both those guys, out of the 22 turnovers Memphis had last night, nine came from Jones and four came from your point guard. At one point, he had zero assists and three turnovers. He ended up with three assists and four turnovers. It's a negative ratio. Those are the guys handling the ball all the time. 13 out of the 22 from your main guys. Now, it's interesting, the points off turnovers, because UAB had 21 of them themselves, that was even at 26-26. But you just limit your possessions. That's 22 times you never got a shot off. And I hate to say it, now they did play the most minutes, but Quinterly was 
minus 14 in the game. Jones was minus 12. Your two best players were a combined minus 26. Those two have to play well. And Jones played, I mean, he, he, he did have 24 points. He did have nine rebounds. He was 9 of 16 and 4 of 7 from 3. You look at those percentages, and you go, okay. He had seven steals in the game, too. So he took back some of that. You can't really point the finger that much at him. The nine turnovers are troublesome, but heck, he caused seven more. So that's just a minus two in my mind in that area. And what are you going to do? Take him out? You can't take him out. He's the most important scorer you got. But Quinterly, four of 15. So Quinterly took the second most shots behind the 16 that Jones took. And only made four, and he only had three assists. Maybe he should be getting the ball to some other people when you're not hitting. And his defense lacked. And I think he's a wonderful young man. I do. I really like him. I love chatting with him. But I mean, if we're going to hold people accountable, he's the first guy you got to think of, in my mind. We'll talk with Jason Munns about that very fact in just a little bit. I'm sitting in the Family Leisure Studios, and a reminder, we still got this floor model sale going on. If you would like a wicker sofa set, it's under $2,000 if it says floor model, and there's plenty in there. If you would like a pool table, under $1,500, look at the one on the floor. That could be yours for under $1,500. If you uh, love that theater seating, you got yourself a little media room, two grand for the theater seating. Oh, that's pretty darn good. Four-person hot tub, if you're just one guy and you really want to stretch out, it's perfect. Or if you want to have a party, $5,000. That's a heck of a deal. And they've got the saunas on sale for 25% off the usual steam or the infrared, the new technology. It's all happening at Family Leisure. You know our title sponsor? That's Genesis. Genesis of Olive Branch. Go see Vinny. Vinny Gerard, the crazy Canadian. He's got incentives for you on the SUVs. The GV70, the smaller one. The GV80, the huge one. It's really roomy and so comfortable inside. And here's the thing about the Genesis luxury cars. You know, they have that smooth, incredible ride. Even the SUVs. Sometimes you get an SUV, you love it, got power, it's up high. But it doesn't have that ride. Oh, the Genesis SUVs do. Go see Vinny and get a special price right there at the corner of Highway 78. That's Lamar and Craft Road. Turn left. You're there. Go see Vinny and ask about the Genesis SUVs. We do a little thing on Mondays. It is called Precious Metals. There were so many great performances. And I just heard Greg and Eli talking about Luca getting 73 in in the same week or what was it two weeks in a row or in the same week you had two guys score 70 and two guys scored in the 60s that's amazing but look at Doncic 73 I mean that was more than half the points of his team it was pretty impressive but the one that struck me the most that I'm giving a bronze to just because I know him that's Jalen Duran. he had 20 points 21 rebounds that was a 2020 double-double that beat Oak City, which snapped a five-game winning streak. You know, I knew Duran was going to be an NBA guy for sure. He just looked at his body and his athleticism, and he was he was still really young. Remember, he reclassified to move up quickly? But man, oh man, I didn't know he would be this good. And it sure appears between all the guys that have made the NBA from the, the, that team. We're talking Wiseman. We're talking even Lester Quinones, who's spending a lot of time up. Precious Achua, who really got a lot of playing time and became an NBA prospect because Wiseman quit the team. He would not – Precious would have been around another year. But Duran is the guy. He's the one guy that – really can be the best player. Penny has said this himself. Of all the guys that he signed that were big-time recruits, Duran is the guy. Um, and, and that includes Imani Bates. I got to give Matthew Pavan, the Frenchman who won at Torrey Pines with clutch putts. He had a birdie on the final hole to win 
his first PGA Tour event and to become the first Frenchman in history in the modern era to win. They're apparently in 1902, a Frenchman won a pro event on, on, on the United States soil, but it wasn't the PGA Tour. So this guy is recognized now as the very first Frenchman ever to win a PGA Tour event. It's interesting for him to get on the European Tour, the DP Tour. Apparently it was, he had to win a tournament. And he had to birdie the last four holes to get into the DP Tour. He birdied the last four holes. He absolutely, after missing a short putt, which give, would have given him a two-point advantage, a two-stroke advantage, going into 18, and he missed it. And everybody, oh, the pressure's on him. And then he hit a bad drive. And then he hit a second shot into the rough. And then he hit one of the greatest clutch shots ever. And then made about a six or seven footer to win the tournament. Matthew Pavan. It's, look, this tour, he's not the youngest guy. He's 30 years old. But if you look at that leaderboard, a lot of young foreign players, this is the new PGA Tour. Although it looks like with Tyrell Hatton leaving for a live, they're, they're losing a good foreign player. Nothing like John Rahm, but I, I look at the youth. I, I think the PGA Tour is going to be fine. They just have need time to promote these young guys coming up because they all are really, really good, solid players. I'm going to give two silver medals out, and they're both the tennis players. Yannick Sinner was down two sets to Daniel Medvedev, and he came back. He did a Medvedev on himself. He came back and won the last three sets in a thriller, and everybody says this kid is going to be terrific. The next real rivalry you're going to have will be Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz, and Medvedev's going to be in the mix there. Zverev will probably be in the mix there. Getting interesting as we, we go from the era of the big three or four to Count Murray in there to this new era. It's going to be fun to watch. These guys are young. They're really good. And Arena Sabalenka, who first knocked off Coco Goff, and that was revenge for losing to her in the U.S. Open final. And then she beat the Chinese girl, Zhang Quian. So Sabalinka, two in the world, but on the way up, wins back-to-back -back Aussies. They get silver medals and two golds. They go to Patrick Mahomes in San Francisco. And they go to Brock Purdy and, I, I should say, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And uh, Brock Purdy in San Francisco. So you've got this great matchup. You've got the possible GOAT. I mean, if there's anybody going to beat out for the greatest of all time at this point, Tom Brady, it's this guy, Patrick Mahomes. And then you got him up against Mr. Irrelevant, the last player taken two years ago in the draft. That's, by the way, a repeat of Super Bowl 53. Can't wait for it. You also get Kittle against Kelsey, the two best tight ends. Man. It's going to be fun. Those two guys and those two teams get my gold medals. Mm, okay. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good list. There. Thank you, sir. Pretty good list. Uh, my bronze, and I think uh, last week, I, um, I'm going to repeat what I did last week. Because you beat a ranked team, especially you beat the Tigers, you deserve to be on the podium. That's UAB uh, they were great. getting uh, getting the win over the Titans. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. They got a kid who's really good. He was the junior college All-American, two-time junior college All-American. Yaxel Lendeborg, remember that name? Kid did not play really in high school. He played 11 high school basketball games. That's it. Picked up the game on a regular basis in college at a junior college, and here you go. The kid had 23 points. 16 rebounds, 10 offensive rebounds. He Tigers couldn't stop him. Yeah, could not. I'm, you, wait, you said you said he only played 11? 11, 11 high school basketball games. That's all he played. That's a good story. I'm going to say my listen to this. for another they day. Got that, another, that, they got another kid. His name is Christian Coleman. This is the truth. He was 6'1 when he graduated high school. Wasn't going to play uh, college basketball at all. He was working in Walmart. And there was a coach, and I think it's South Plains Junior College, but I, I, I have it in my notes, but I didn't bring those. Um, <laughs> he was 6'1". As, as he was in this little town working in this Walmart, and this junior college coach kept coming in and seeing him, he grew to 6'9". That's what he is now. 
And the coach talked him into coming and trying out for the team. He made it. Now he's he's a sixth or seventh guy in the rotation at UAB. That's a good story too. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to save my rent for another day. I, <laughs> I need, to, yeah, I need to save it. Uh, silver medals, um, giving it to college basketball upsets. So we had a handful. Of, I think uh, Auburn lo- losing this week. But that was at Mississippi State. Was it, yeah, you know, the top ten. Now, nobody in this day and age is going to run the table, especially with all the road games and all the incredible environments. Just not going to happen. That's true. But Eli, like Eli pointed out over, uh, during the show, like, if you're in the top ten, you're going to lose. <laughs> so it's, yeah. It's like you're going to lose We're to never a team somewhere. With, with, with NIL and Portal, okay? You're never going to get, and it hasn't happened since 76, you're never getting a perfect team. The Tigers had the chance in 08 to go 40-0, and 0 and they couldn't get it done. And I, th- I I think that's one of the great college basketball teams. I really do. They couldn't get it done. Kentucky had a chance to get to the Final Four with a perfect record. That was so. – Pe- uh, so Calipari's had two teams that possibly could have done it. I think it's impossible to do now. It's, it's even harder now because you got too much – Money and portal and selfishness that are going on. Yeah, yeah. And you can't like, be a coach like Bobby Knight, who did it in 76, who intimidated guys into doing what he wanted. It's it's, it's, it's a different world. I want to say that he, like, coaches back then was were punking the you know, student-athletes to do whatever they say. But there was a, little, there was a more of a... If you're not, if if you don't fall in line, you're not going to play, and never no, yeah. then, then nobody's not going to see you play. Right, and, and and now you know you got a guy who's going. Wait a second, man. I'm not getting enough minutes. You're you're paying me all this money. <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah, and then uh, my gold goes to. Uh, I, I really don't care about the teams, even though it was very entertaining game for both the AFC and the NFC. But really, really, that gold, th- this gold medal. Goes to, I want to say CBS is ho- is is holding the Super Bowl game this year. If I'm yeah, gonna... they, uh, Jim Nance and Tony yeah. Romo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're so CBS is getting the gold medal because TV ratings are about to go through the roof now. I think this was the best scenario that CBS would have had. Let me ask you something. I, I I'm serious and I don't know the answer. Okay. The Kansas City Chief Buffalo game had 53 million viewers. I have heard some attribute that to the mere presence of Taylor Swift, that she brings in more eyeballs for the 30 seconds she may get on air during a game. Yes. Do you believe that there is a Taylor Swift factor in some of this? Yes. Like 13, 14, 15-year-old girls are, are watching football just to see Taylor Swift being shown on the TV. Crazy. Well, she's like, going to be there. You know, she's. Uh, I think she her tour's going to Japan. Yes. Is she going to be back for the Super Bowl? She's going to be back about just about like an hour before kickoff. Wow. That's that's. So, from, what's the over under on Taylor Swift time exposure on the Super Bowl? Over under. Yeah. A oh, minute, they're going to milk two this. minutes. They're going to milk this. <laughs> what? What the Super Bowl's about? What four hours long? Yeah. They're gonna milk this. Give I give I give it a total of about I'd say about a smooth hour. Oh no, come on. A smooth the, hour. You know the most she's ever gotten is like a minute twenty. If you take all the shots that they've done, it's like a a, a minute twenty is the longest she's ever had. I can't I can't remember who I heard uh breaking this down, but like the other day like that 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 game where they got the fifty three million, she only mm-hmm. was on the screen for like thirty six seconds. That's it. Total. Oh no, CBS gonna milk this one. They gonna they gonna milk this one. This is like we we finally got. Well, we, if you we, set it at, a, at an hour, it's definitely going under. I think <laughs> it won't be more than two two three minutes. That's for sure. All right, you got uh, any more? No, nah, that's all my all right. medals. All right, uh, I got two rusts. First rust goes to Dan Campbell. And and I I know he's just following what his little chart says, and he's been the gambler. I think he's gone on fourth down thirty four percent of the time. But he missed on fourth and two earlier in the game when he could have gotten points. Okay, I can live with that one. But the second time, because that was in the third quarter, the second time is with seven minutes and thirty eight seconds left. It's it's longer. It's fourth down and three, 
and it's a three-point game at the time. You literally can tie the game up. With 7.38 to go, and you're at the 30, it's a easy field goal. It's a 46 or a 47-yard field goal, and you tie the game. He opts to go for it. They don't make it, and then here comes... With a much shorter field, here comes San Francisco. They score. They make it a 10-point game. Basically put it away. I, he also had a run late in the game, costing him a timeout, which I thought you had. I think you would have onside kicked anyway, but you definitely had to onside kick, and you'd lost one of your timeouts. Dan Campbell made some very shaky decisions. The worst one was the fourth down and three at the 30 when you could have tied the game with 7.43 to go. I give him a rust, and i got to give the Tigers basketball team's defense a rust and their ability to box out because we already went over it. If you spent a whole week practicing defense and you give up 97 points to a team that averages 76, something's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been questionable the last several weeks. and. I yeah. I can't I can't put my finger on it. I can't either. You got you got to uh, rust. The same same thing. Tigers defense as a whole deserves a rust. And then also I'm giving a rust to the PGA because man, you're losing players like crazy. And I get it. I understand there, there's there's more young players coming into the game. I know Nick Dunlap just accepted his yeah. two year membership with the with the PGA Tour. But you lose another 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 young I got a young. Prominent well, star. Tyrell Hatton player? is not necessarily a young guy. Well, and he's a European guy. Um, he 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 just really started playing more on the PGA Tour rather than the European Tour. Yeah. Okay. I I don't I don't view Hatton as as a loss like John Rahm, or if you lost a Rory McIlroy, or a guy like Nick Dunlap. Would have gone. Now, mm-hmm. that that would have been troublesome and, 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 because I, I don't know what Nick Dunlap is going to end up really being, but there's not many guys who win the junior amateur and the U.S. amateur, and that's only Tiger Woods that has done that. Right. right? And the last guy that won as a college player a pro tournament was Phil Mickelson. So his pedigree to begin with is pretty good. You didn't lose him. Hatton, I can almost live with. But let me tell you what, what we're seeing. Right, This deal, this merger between the Live and the PGA Tour was supposed to have already occurred. They were putting in all these bucks. They were going to be partners. Now the PGA Tour is talking with this group out of the New England area in Boston about being a partner as well. They're dragging their feet. That's why they signed Rom, and that's why they're signing Hatton. There's the beginning of war again. They need to get the framework of this done so we actually have one unified group. Let it be a European tour. Let it be a PGA tour. The Live can be that tour. And they can they they can have great events together and separately. Right. they they got to figure it out because, obviously, the PGA tour is – I don't know if, if they're backing off, but the framework of this deal was supposed to be done in December. And – Jay Monahan said it many times. They're gonna get this done. They've got it. They're work- here's the dead, the the absolute deadline, and they didn't get it done. And I think this is the reaction of them not getting it done. It's the live saying, "Okay, we'll show you since you didn't do it." That's my gut feel on all of that. This portion of the show brought to you by Grind City. Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in Memphis for so many years now with great products like the Pilsner, Poppy's Pills. Just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, sometimes you come across a beer so smooth and crushable, it cures what ails you. Take two of those, we guarantee you, you'll be feeling fantastic. Then there's the Godhopper, the pale ale that uh, I think is the number two seller. At Grind City, there's the Amber Lager Thaddeus. There is, if you like Blue Moon, there's a Belgian-style weed ale called the Belga. It's terrific. There's Tiger Tail. That's the that's the beer that's a craft malt liquor. It's got a little extra kick. It's nothing like your grandfather or your father's malt liquor. I can promise you that. Grind City. Go check it out downtown. Beautiful building, beautiful picnic grounds, a great view of the skyline of Memphis in just a terrific time. Taking care of beerness in Memphis, that is Grind City. City Brewing. We take a break and we'll catch up with our friend Jason Munns in just a minute. We'll talk about this Tiger team momentarily. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Ah, the man who covers the Tigers so intently is Jason Munns. we get to him in a minute. He's brought to you in part by the Eflin Insurance team. Look, you... You can really get protected by a guy who will really get to know you and care. That's the whole thing about the Eflin Insurance Company with Matt and Andrew and Heath and Grant. They'll take care of you because they get to know you. They get to know you and your family, what your budget is, what's really important to protect. And then they will make sure you're taken care of with your house, with your car, with life insurance. They do it all. Same thing. With a small to mid-sized business, they've got commercial insurance for you after they figure out your product, your employees. They get to know all of that. They get to know you. They'll even forecast your business out. What is your budget? And then they protect you with great commercial insurance. That's just the way they do it. They get to know you and then protect you. At the Eflin Insurance Team, 901-386-GUR, because they're big Tiger supporters, 901-386-4777. Get protected the collaborative way with the Eflin insurance team somewhere probably in mississippi on the way home from birmingham is jason munn's commercial appeal beat writer for the tigers so we figured this out jason on december the 19th the tigers reached their zenith they had just beaten AM in college station they had a Great classic game at home against Clemson that was ranked. Then they took apart a Virginia team also ranked at home. Maybe their biggest, most impressive win of the year. And then, even though they won the next few games, they didn't look the same. What happened between December the 19th and Virginia and December the 23rd against Vanderbilt? Where has this thing gone backwards? Good morning. Good morning, Wolo. Uh... I've been racking my brain thinking about that very thing for the last hour, at least, um, trying to yeah, trying to pinpoint exactly what what changed. Uh, and the only thing, honestly, the only thing that I can come up with is the fact is uh, complacency. Um, you know, so much was made going into the season of the Tigers' non-conference schedule. Um, you know, you were talking about the loaded battle for Atlantis Field right. that, you know, that had Arkansas and Michigan and, 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 and Villanova, North Carolina, and Texas Tech and all these, you know, uh, brand names and teams that, that have been historically uh, very strong, uh, traditionally very strong, Um you know, you, you had all that there, and then you had, you know, uh, you, you had the rivalry game against Sultan, and you had the the uh, gauntlet um, that you just mentioned, the the Clemson and Texas A and M and Virginia, and honestly, there there does seem to be a very clear uh, line of delineation, a clear delineation between the win over Virginia that was. That, that got the Tigers all kinds of flowers, and, and deservedly so. At the time, nobody knew that Virginia was going to, you know, at the time, everybody thought Virginia was the top, you know, the top 25 team that, that was definitely going to be a tournament team and this sort of thing. Um, they, they have since sort of tailed off a little bit, uh, as have most of the teams that, that Memphis has played, but... Um, you know, yeah, there, there's there's definitely something that happened because Vanderbilt uh, had a chance to win that game. Austin P was closer than it should have been. Um, I think Tulsa was the next game, and honestly, you know, if, if if we're talking about like something that you can definitely point to, like this this sort of talk about uh, complacency and selfishness taking over and that sort of thing, like that's kind of an amorphous. Uh, you can't really, it's not exactly tangible. The one tangible thing that you can point to that happened on January 4th was Caleb Mills's broken kneecap yeah. at Tulsa. Well, that, uh, that, that certainly has changed the dynamic for certain because this Tigers team's defense has just been terrible. And one of the disheartening things, I think, would be 
that they spent a week on it, and they said it was intense, hard practices, and you know they were making tweaks. And, and Penny said, uh, you know, this will enable us to play with anybody in in the in in the country. Um, and then they give up 97 points to a team that averages 76. And by the yep. way, this kid Eric Gaines, who hit three out of four threes. Those were the first threes he has hit since the first conference game. He was zero for the next six conference games from three-point land. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't. It, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's hard to. It really is difficult to compute um, everything that we have been hearing last week about the changes that were that were being made, the adjustments, the like the attitude adjustments. And, and all that sort of stuff that we heard, uh, and then what we saw with our eyes um, on the court yesterday in Birmingham just didn't, didn't even really come close to matching up uh, with what we had heard, the, you know, for the whole week before. Um, it, it did not appear to me that anything that was done in practice carried over whatsoever into the game. I mean, almost what it looked, what it almost looked like to me was so, you know, you and I talked about this earlier today. Uh, Memphis pressed way more than they pressed at all in any other game this season, really, based on what I saw. Right. Uh, but in I've fairness, seen. isn't that what Penny has, has done in the past? He's created a lot of havoc and turnovers with that trapping and pressing defense. This might be the 100%. wrong team to do it with, but but that has worked in the past. Well, it did, and it did generate turnovers. UAB turned the ball over 21 times. That's usually uh, that's what you want, you know what I mean? But um, I don't. You know, the way it looked to me was it looked like a team that had it, it wasn't physically. Uh, conditioned or prepared to do that for a full 40 minutes or even for like a, a 35 minute stretch or a 30 minute stretch. It, it looked like a team that probably worked on it um, in practice. Uh, but, but it, it just, it felt like they were for the most part, the majority of the game, it wasn't as intense as it needed to be. Um, so I, I don't know if that you know what that says about how they practiced it or, or whatever, but uh, it, it didn't translate. It did not. It simply did not translate. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, UAB was averaging 77, 76, whatever points uh, per game going into this game, and they put up they, they scored 20 points better than their average. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just it was just a, a disaster. It was, um, you know. John Calipari used to say, it takes a crisis to create change. Penny did say on the postgame show there were probably going to be some changes coming. Um, and, and, you know, he had said earlier they weren't in crisis mode, but they'd lost leverage. I think now they're in crisis mode with this three in a row. Heck, they're four and three in the league, for goodness sake. Um, what changes do you think are coming? Yeah, I mean, I asked him that point blank in the uh, post-game press conference. I told him, you know, usually it takes, you know, usually you, you're pretty quick to react when things go when things go south. You start making some changes. I said, you haven't done that yet. Is that because you feel like, is that because you feel like what you are putting out on the court and the, and the, and the, and the things that you're running, is that because you feel like that's the best uh, hand you can play? And, and he said, you know, yeah, kind of, but at the same time, he said, you know, he said that's fair, but at the same time, he said, I have too much love for the game and too much love for the program, too much love for the city, too much love for uh, the school to not do something. And it, it, I mean, he said there could be one or two changes on the horizon. Now, uh, the only thing that I can think that makes sense in terms of like a lineup shakeup mm -hmm. um, would be uh, instead of going with Nick Jordan in the starting lineup, going with Nick Bontemps. That's the only thing I can see. I agree with you. That make. that that's the one that I I believe is a no brainer. Uh, yeah, because 
and, and the reason I said, like, you know, you could also say Jaquan Walton uh, could possibly use a change, change of scenery, and Penny did that before. He took Jaquan Walton out of the starting lineup before. Um, it led to him being in a slump uh, for a prolonged amount of time. And at this point, without Caleb Mills, I'm not sure who you would put in his no, place. No, I, I think you need, you're right. You need his production. And, and yeah. the, the other aspect is, you know, you're going to live with Jones, right? You've got to. I mean, I know he had nine turnovers. He also had seven steals in the game. So that's like a yeah. minus two in, in giveaway takeaway, right? Um, yep. But I don't know about Quinterly. I mean, he, he's your point guard. I really love the kid. I think he's a smart kid. Um, but he's not been very good in this three-game losing streak. He, he at one point yesterday had zero assists and three turnovers. He ended up three assists and four turnovers, but he was four of 15. Second most shots on the team, and he, he, he some of them were just wild drives that we've never seen before. Usually the guy's pretty good from the side on a straight-line drive, but he kept going into the middle, and there were two big men there to meet him every time. That's when you've yeah. got to dish off. I, I, I don't know what's happened to him. He's so important to this team because he really, in my mind, is the barometer. When he's played well, the Tigers have played well. What is going on with JQ? I don't know. Um, it doesn't. It does not make a whole lot of sense because he had been playing so well. Uh, you know, he had his he had his moments where where things weren't perfect uh, uh, or even very good. But by and large, he was the biggest reason. I would say possibly him and at least they were he and at least he and David Jones were co the biggest reasons why uh, Memphis was having so much, so much success. So, so early on, um, but honestly, everything that the Tigers are uh, having uh, struggling with right now and having issues with, um, I, I, and lacking everything that the Tigers are lacking right now, ball security, uh, perimeter defense, uh, really defense period. Um, I think the biggest thing is a lack of leadership. There, there, there has to be someone inside that locker room to step up, take accountability and ownership, and rally the troops. And uh, that is not happening. I, I asked Penny about that yesterday, and he goes, it's just a bunch of blank faces, a bunch of blank stares in the locker room. He goes in there, and that's a bad sign. Uh, at this at this stage in the game, that is a troubling, disturbing sign. Um, not saying that it can't change. There is still time. There's 11 games left. The next three are are pretty easy. Really, re, they'll, they'll be major favorites in those games, and yeah. and they're all at home. Yeah, well, yeah, and they need to dominate them. Like that's the thing is they can't just come out and win by eight or ten. They they, they need to dominate. But I think what it's going to take is uh, somebody to, uh, you know, throw some cold water in somebody's face and, and wake some people up because so far, uh, just there's, there's, it feels like there's a bunch of zombies in that locker room. Yeah. Let me clarify, by the way, that the, the next two are at home. Then you got a game in Philly against the Temple team that's not very good. Uh, yeah. then, then you're back for a rematch with this UAB team. So um, the, these next three are critical, and they're all critical now. Now, I, I want to say this, and then I'm going to ask you the last question. They have, in 21-22, when they made the NCAA, went to Portland, won the first game, and then had Gonzaga on the ropes and let them go. They'd lost four in a row to Iowa State, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Murray State in the in the earlier non-conference season. They lost three in a row in conference, UCF, ECU, and SMU. And they, and they made the NCAA tournament. In the midst of this stretch, it sure looks dreadful. But history tells you you can rebound, especially since you just mentioned 11 regular season games left before the tournament in Fort Worth. Will Memphis make the NCAA tournament? Tough question. Last one. I think so. Um, I, I, I still stand by uh, what I've been saying for the past week that this team is too talented not not to um, figure it out. Uh, all it takes is getting hot at the right time. Honestly, I mean, like if 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 things continue to go south, 
um, in the regular season. You know, nobody wants nobody wants to think about it like this, but teams get hot at the right time and can go on a run. It's not impossible. Uh, but but right now, you know, you you, you don't want to think that way. You, you got to think about you know now. It feels like Memphis is, is back on the bubble, uh, and and now you're trying to get off that. And um, you know, you talk about years past and, and re- rebounding uh, from from struggles the years past. You know. The, the, the cold hard truth about that is there was Houston uh, before. There's not Houston now. Houston was always like top five in the net. FAU is in the league now, yes, um, but they're more like top thirty in the net. Um, you need you need FAU to be good, and you need to beat FAU uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna get this thing back on the track. He's our man, Jason Munz from the Commercial Appeal. Drive safely, my friend, and we'll see you Wednesday at FedEx Forum. Thanks, Waller. Thank you. That is Jason Munns. He's brought to you in part by the Spirit Shop. Go see Eddie. Yeah, Eddie Connor's waiting for you right there at Poplar and St. Nick, 4848 Popular. Poplar, because you're out, right? You've had a great weekend. You're watching all the NFL games. You probably had to drink something for the misery the Tigers might have brought you yesterday. Go restock at 4848 Poplar, the Spirit Shop. Eddie Connor's place in 69. Little log cabin with lots of stuff inside right down from Poplar Avenue. Go in, ask about any valuable bourbon or maybe an up-and-comer. Maybe you want some wine. You're trying to figure out the best new blend. Eddie will tell you. He's tried it all. He can tell you about tequila. He can tell you about vodka. He can tell you about gin. He can tell you about any spirit. He can tell you about any accessory. You need a particular rub for a special cocktail. He's got it. He's got every accessory there could be for any spirit. It's the spirit shop. Go see Eddie. Tell him we sent you. Back with a look at the Super Bowl and how both teams got there in just a minute. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. So Super Bowl 55 will be a Super Bowl repeat of Super Bowl 53. It's the Chiefs and it's the 49ers. Kansas City was a winner, 17-10. You know what? They, they played solid. They looked like the better team, but Baltimore made mistakes. Baltimore fumbled what was a sure touchdown right at the goal line, bailing out the Chiefs. And then Lamar Jackson, as good as he is, threw a pick in the end zone. Those are two scores they could have had, should have had maybe, and they'd have been in the Super Bowl. But they're not. Kansas City, a winner. And then we talked a little bit about this already. San Francisco was up, uh, uh, was down 24-7 to Detroit at halftime. And then they scored 27 straight points. Now, Dan Campbell helped. He went on fourth down, particularly in the fourth quarter, when he could have tied the game with seven and a half to go and chose to go on fourth, and that was the second time in the game they missed out. Wow. And um, so we've got the repeat. It's the Niners that are favored by one. For that game in Vegas, Zach Boyd is the wrong team favored here. Um, no. You think San Francisco? I don't think so. You think I San Francisco is going to win this? Huh? The 49ers. they are the best team in the NFC. Um, Kansas City had their struggles up and down this year. Obviously, now they they kind of it, it's it, it's all how you're playing at the end, not not how you yeah. did in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So they're hitting their stride now, but. I, I, the nod goes to get to, to, to the 49ers. Um, well, the, the Vegas agrees with you, but not by much. It's by one. Yeah, so it's no, a pretty, it's, it's, it's closer it, than it, what it, it is. It's but. a pretty even game. It's To me, it's a little bit the uh, offensive of Mahomes against the defense of San Francisco, which is pretty good. But they did surrender in the first half a bunch of points to the Detroit Lions. And really, if the Lions hadn't helped out a bunch – 
who knows how that game would have ended. Both were very uh, entertaining games. Um, I haven't quite figured. I got to look at really close up. I, I love though that you got the possible goat against Mister Irrelevant. You got you got the two. Are they the two best tight ends in the game at the moment? Kelsey and Kittle. I think so. You can't you can't go wrong with either one. No. We 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 know that that Mahomes and Kelsey that's the number one combination all time in postseason now. Yeah. And they they lived up to the billing again yesterday. So. Um, but the difference also with Kansas City than what the what what we saw in the regular season is now their receivers are starting catching the football. True. We're seeing we're seeing we're seeing the guys catching the football like Mark uh, was it Marquise Valdez Scanlon catching that thirty two yarder like to pretty much end the game in against the Ravens. Last thing on this because I hadn't realized it, I hadn't realized they'd been together this long, but with Taylor Swift in attendance in Kansas City games, this could be what takes me over the edge with the Chiefs. With Taylor Swift in the house, do you know what their percentage of winning is? Oh, don't tell me you're about to be a Swifty, Dave. Can't help myself. Don't tell me you're about to be a Swifty, Dave. Guess what the number is. With Swift in attendance. I think they're like 8-1. and 9-3. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe they've been together for 12 games. Oh, man. She's going to be at the Super Bowl. That might be enough to put them over the top. And then Monday morning, Dave Wilotion is a Taylor Swift fan. How about that? <laughs> I, I'm really not. I, I, I admire her. I really do. I mean, she keeps – I saw this that um, she's already won three Album of the Year awards or something like that, Performer of the Year awards, and there's only been two other people that have ever done that before. And they're, they're like Elton John and Michael Jackson. or I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe the Beatles for all I know. But she could become the number one all time in that department. She's already made a billion dollars with concert tours and stuff. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. And her Chiefs are 9-3 and three since she started dating Travis Kelsey. So that could be what takes me over to Kansas City. I got to know for sure she's going to be at the game, though. Pretty sure she's going to make it. Uh, that'll do it for us. Johnny Radio is right around the corner. We'll see you tomorrow. We will talk NFL with our friend Jeff Moore. And, of course, we'll talk more college basketball with Mike DeCourcy. That's on the docket for tomorrow. But Johnny Radio comes your way next. Have a great day, everybody.